This is Pam Electric Ghost, and we are live on our Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook channels. We're happy to introduce today Oku Dogen, and uh, you know, we're glad to have her on the podcast for the first time. And this is um, this is a real treat. Like you're actually in Italy, right? Yes, I'm in Italy. Hi, I'm so glad to be here, and thanks for having me. So we're gonna we're gonna actually show a video or like a lyric video that you did to kind of. What we like to do on this podcast because we've been podcasting since 2018 we originally were just like on spotify and apple on an audio only and then we've switched to this new video mode and one of the cool things about the video podcast is we can actually introduce people to your music and so at the beginning of every every episode we like to introduce a band's youtube video or their lyric video so before we start talking about behind the music um we, we actually show what you're about. So we're queuing that up right now. We have a song that you wrote called uh, Moontide Song. And we're going to get into this. And we'll put you on mute. And then we'll talk back after the, after the video. We'll get into uh, the questions we kind of present you. But um, yeah, this is going to be Moontide Song. And I'm going to queue it up now. It's ready to go. An hour ago, he was drumming his guitar Around the fire, but they're all gone The last sparks are the only leftovers A flicker But I am here, sending on the cold sand only sound is the waves and the winter whistling. Bottles of beer, and I wish you were here. The stars are sparkling, so are the seashells. The moon gravitates me to you. Trees are my hill, and the wind is always there. I, I, I am dancing for you. I step back, want to you. You and I like the moon time, and I love it when at night it's quiet around. It's quiet. It's quiet around home. You and I like the moon tide, and I love it when at night no one's talking. I am singing the harmony of silence in my head as a choir. Starry sky, night blue high. A final sit down. Should I move on? But I am here, laying on the cold sand, feeling on my fingertips. A summer night we had. Bottles of beer, and I wish you were here. The stars are sparkling, so are the seashells. The moon gravitates me to you. I am the sea for you. Palm trees are my ear, and the wind is always there. I, I, I am dancing for you. And I love it when at night 
So that is Oiku Dogen and Moontide Song. And we are coming back to the full view. So here we go. We're back. And so, yeah, you can hear me, right? Yes, I can hear you. <laughs> yeah, so that's always a trick to make sure I do it right. But yeah, um, um, yeah I think it's, I like, I like that video because it's a lyric video, but then you got the, like the neon kind of sign flashing, which is kind of cool. I, 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 I kind of, I've never seen that before. So that's kind of cool. I was like, well, I want to use that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but um, yeah, I like the feel of that song. So it sounds like you're using like an electric piano. Is that what you're yeah. doing? What what type of yeah. piano did you use? Um, so I used really so many um, electronic I sounds for this song. <laughs> no, <laughs> like the exact types. I don't remember. There are several pianos actually, but. Yeah. I was aiming to create a really mysterious track, like yeah. like the moon, that atmosphere, let's say. So I chose some um, electronic sounds and electronic pianos, but I always try to put one acoustic piano as well. Sometimes it's really hidden, but yeah, yeah. it's always like there shadow. because, yeah. yeah. Maybe like a shadow track. Cause that's yeah. the, the main one sounds kind of like a roads. But, but I don't know, but um, or yeah, it could be Yamaha, it could be, or it could be you know, Roland's all they all can replicate that stuff. Um, like most of these, I got my keyboard, so like most of my Roland's and the mm -hmm. Yamaha can replicate a road of roads, or they can replicate you know, any of the old, you know, like any any old instrument, you could like a Hammond B3 or something. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, I think it's um. It's cool to have somebody that that's a pianist or you know a keyboardist. You know, today I think you know I, I'm in that zone. That's what I do. But it's it's cool to hear a singer and a songwriter and somebody who plays like organic organic instruments, even though you have the electronic stuff going on. Because this seems to be the age of like music in a box. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's cool to have someone that still kind of believes in. Maybe it's not old school, but it's like you know that's what i grew up on are like the traditional singer songwriters but um mm -hmm. we'll like get real instruments I, yeah 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 i mean because i'm a big fan i mean before I, I became a musician i'm a big fan of music you know and i listen to like pretty much everything you know? yeah and some people say oh you know the ghost does that mean you're just doing techno and like no i i listen to you know nashville i mean i listen to <laughs> johnny cash yeah i listen to, yeah. to hip-hop i listen to jazz I listen to fusion hard rock, heavy metal, death metal, punk, everything. Um, and so it's just, I just love music. Uh, and I just Same here, it, actually, yeah. yeah. I also listen to so many different genres. I try to also learn from all of them. And I don't think there should be so many walls in between different styles. Yeah. So, yeah. I, that's what, I mean, my, my indie, indie label was called Expansive Sound. Yeah. Because my idea is like, okay, if I want to do some kind of, you know, Wailing Jennings, Johnny Cash inspired country vibe, but then mix it with a little like Coltrane, what's wrong with that? You know, what what's Nothing. wrong with <laughs> Hendrix or something? Or taking some like beat poetry and doing hip hop and mixing it with like heavy metal or punk. It's like the, the, there shouldn't be lines, you know, that are so hard. Like if you think about EDM, you got people. It's like, well, you got to have the drop here, you got to mm -hmm. have the beat like this, and then everybody's doing the same thing. Um, yeah. And it's like, well, why can't you have EDM that kind of breaks into some kind of fusion? Why? Why not? You know, well, they won't like it. It's like, well, you know, <laughs> it, it, I think you got to experiment. I think that's the whole thing. I but totally me, agree. Yeah, that's what I also try to do always. So, I couldn't agree more. So when did you first get into music? We'll start with the questions. Like, what age did you get into it? Um, honestly, when I was very little, I was five when I started with piano lessons because we had an old piano, my grandma's piano at our house. And especially my mom, she discovered that I was, you know, playing the melodies that I was hearing from oh, the radio some yeah so you could play by ear she could pick up yeah. that you could do it i was That's very little and she noticed that and they said my parents said 
we can try, you know, to get some piano lessons. Let's see how it goes. And it went well. <laughs> Here I am. Yeah. The yeah. whole, my whole life. So I've been doing music. But it started when I was five with piano. And then when I was six, I was already composing my first pieces on the piano. And wow. then um, with children, choirs, so many different things, composition. And, and then when I was 15, writing my first songs, because, because before they were all instrumental. And mm. then I started writing lyrics as well. So when I was 19, I came to Italy because I was born in Turkey, Izmir. And I came to Italy to um, study music. I majored in jazz piano. I majored also in um, music performance, vocal. And I studied also composition. So I have three different worlds, classical jazz and modern, let's say. And, well, it's good. good to have all that because it's interesting because you you started to compose like mostly instrumentals you said when you're like five or six right uh -huh, yeah so when With did piano, you, yeah. yeah when did you find that you actually you know because a lot of people realize that like the voice is an instrument and so you like you could you know you've i've always been like you know i played I started on winds. I started on clarinets and saxophones oh. and then i found that i they're, they're great instruments but they're hard to write on Mm -hmm. So I, I went to, I, I went to, I was trying to get into guitar, but I couldn't do it. My brother could mm -hmm. do it. And then yeah. I got into keyboards because like, oh, I, I, if I learn keyboards, I learn piano, I can write. I can write. Yeah. The and then I said, well, that's, that's, you know, I already know how to do the winds. So uh -huh. then I had ideas of melodies and stuff from the winds. And then like once I had the chords, I was like, oh, I can do something. But yeah. um, it's interesting. Like, when do you? find that you actually have a voice. I, I never felt good about my voice until I, like my, my mid thirties. Um, oh. You must've found your voice a lot earlier than that. Cause you started, you know, becoming the singer songwriter. So at what age yeah. did you actually incorporate vocals and lyrics into your composition? I always loved singing so much, you know, I was always constantly singing also when I was little. So, when I was little, I started going to a children's choir. We were singing different things from classical music, but also some musicals, some also modern things. I constantly, I would sing in the car, everywhere. I would constantly sing, always. But I started maybe taking it more seriously um, as I started also writing songs. Mm -hmm. So, um, I actually started writing songs with the guitar because I started playing acoustic guitar. Mm, and writing instrument. Um, it was great, yeah, to you know play the chords and create a song and things like that. So then I started noticing how much I love it, writing and singing and creating and yeah. And then I started learning about producing, you know, because almost always i create my own tracks i produce also the beats and everything so i started learning also those things the softwares a different world yeah. but um yeah let me step back a little bit because um one thing i like about writing instruments right um like i like piano I like guitar mm -hmm. um is because sometimes i was just sit at my roland or one of my mugs and then bring my mic over and then I have these hardware recorders. I don't use a dog. I kind of use hardware recorders. I'm kind mm -hmm. of old school. Um, but I find it's like, I like to like, just they do stream of consciousness and just play chords and then kind of, you know, even whether I scat or I have a lyric idea, I just kind of work it out while I'm playing. Right. Yeah. And I find that that is very satisfying as a songwriter that sometimes like I could sit and try to just concentrate on the chord arrangement. Mm -hmm. But if I actually incorporate my vocal, yeah, in, when I'm playing, it it causes me to write it in a different way because I'm actually trying to fit the voice into the chords. So, do mm -hmm. you find that you like to to write that way, or you you find other ways? Because you have you've been trained on how to how to do theory, but what do you actually like to do? <laughs> yeah, 
exactly for example i learned how to do things but then i started doing things the way i loved doing them so um i also have two ways i think the first way is you know yeah sitting in front of the piano starting with some chords or melodies and creating first the harmony and everything and then writing the lyrics over it sometimes i just write the lyrics and i start creating the melody so i like both ways and i honestly don't know it like on what it depends because it just goes yeah. naturally that way and yeah. but that's why i also started you know getting interested in jazz i think because i always played um, classical piano before but with jazz i had the freedom to create yeah. in that moment yeah, with or, the improvisation yeah, or, yeah the yeah. improvisational nature of jazz like one of my jazz i mean i love brubeck i'm a big fan of the american bebop mm -hmm. band Sunra. and Sunra is kind of really getting more recognition they're kind of known for their famous thing like space is the place but mm -hmm. prior to that they did this thing called jazz and silhouette in the 50s which is like mm -hmm. a bebop form of jazz like a masterpiece it's full of really good horns it, it's totally representative of that zone and being somebody yeah. who plays clarinet you know and and sax i was like i'm very enthralled with jazz <laughs> because yeah. i like the fact that you can do like bebop or you can get into fusion and you or you can even get into this afro jazz and you can kind of go off and and get yeah. really dissonant and then come back to a core theme and I love the themes, but I like the freedom that the band can go off and solo or go in really weird directions and come back. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, you think about like the Grateful Dead or the Allman Brothers or Cream or any like really kind of progressive kind of jam band mm -hmm. does some jazz type of things. You know, rock bands, when they get really good, tend to borrow from jazz. Yeah, that's true. You, yeah. you have a band like Steely Dan that's totally like jazz, you know. <laughs> but, um, but but you get you know like the Allman Brothers are kind of a mix of like fusion and country and things like that, and I was like I was always like I used to go see the Allman Brothers, like live. I would go because I'm a child of the '70s. I'm in my '50s, and so mm -hmm. I would go see them. Them and when the Dead were still playing, I go see them, and I did like that kind of freedom that they you know it felt like they were doing stream of consciousness. Yeah, you know, they would just go off and 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 do new songs. Like if you go to see them, they would just come up with new ideas. I I had their whole catalog, and then I would hear something like I never heard that before. And yeah. I like I always liked that. I always thought that that was um kind of the nature and the fun of being a musician is that you know you could go out for a crowd and you could create something new right there, you know. And that to me is like total freedom. But let it's me think, true. Yeah. Go back to kind of like you're you're like you started to get into jazz. Is that kind of what you liked about it that you can at least when you perform it live, it's like there has a lot, there's a lot of freedom to kind of go wherever you want to go based on where you feel at the time. Yeah, 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 I totally agree. Yeah, it's like you lose your, in that moment, you lose yourself, you lose time and space, mm -hmm. and you're just in that music zone in an, yeah. another dimension, let's say. So yeah, I really love it. Yeah. I have the same feeling also with, Right, writing songs or composing, creating, but maybe with jazz when you're performing, you're there's also more adrenaline, so it's a different kind of feeling. They're yeah. both amazing, but it's different. Yeah, I think it's like jazz. Like if you get into like like a like a rock, like like a Hendrix. You know, Hen I love Jimi Hendrix because Hendrix mm -hmm. was a rock star that went into very experimental jazz-like forms, right? Mm -hmm. And it made that, like, that's rock now, right? Because rock until that time, solos didn't go like 10 minutes, you know? You yeah. didn't do that. You didn't go and do all these interesting chords changes. Like, people talk about Beatle chords, but think about, like, Hendrixian chords. They're, they're, they're very, why well, I think about Hendrix as a keyboard player, He's like one of the first kind of progressive people because if you listen to Electric Ladyland, the chord choices and the effects that he has on that record are mm -hmm. things that like Genesis and Yes and Emerson Lake and Palmer did with their keyboards. 
yeah. he did on guitar. And so he had these very expansive ideas. And I was like, wow, like that that's kind of like where I want to go. Like if I can take Hendrixian ideas, take Sun Ra ideas, you know, and then have like a punk aesthetic so I can yeah. come at it like 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 the clash and have that kind of raw power or like a Kurt Cobain. Because mm-hmm. I think with rock, like what's cool in rock is when you get somebody like a Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Who kind of has this poet kind of ability, but he's got this honesty and he's kind of got this raw power. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of Neil Young and Crazy Horse. Because Neil uh-huh. Young can do very beautiful stuff with Crosby, Stills, and Nash. He can make his voice very beautiful. But then he can get really punk. He was like one of the first punks next to the Who. Because um, him and Crazy Horse, they can go out and they did stuff that was punk before punk <laughs> you know and yeah. it's kind of like that raw power <clears throat> that you can bring mm-hmm. um and i think it just is a way to express yourself i mean it's cool to do beautiful chords and a beautiful arrangements but sometimes yeah. dissonance and noise and loudness is necessary to kind of do if you're trying to make a statement and yeah way. it's all about the balance let's say between yeah. two things yeah but yeah, I, I think it's interesting that because you kind of come, you're kind of you're doing this pop music that's jazz influenced, kind of like Steely Dan, kind of like in 1970s, in the 70s and the 80s, you had a lot of people that would do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like today, it's harder to. I mean, people are doing everything today, so you can yeah. say with every genre that's ever been, you can pretty much find somebody doing it. But mm-hmm. but it's like you're making a choice to do like classic singer songwriting with more of a jazz influence. Yeah, I like mixing up uh, different things, but I also got to say that especially recently, I've become even more experimental and bold. So I think it will be possible to, you know, for people to hear it in my next releases, but, Cool. Yeah, I've noticed this yeah, thing. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been, you know, feeling more free, like without, I mean, without caring mm-hmm. too much about like getting stuck in one style or well, do you worry whatever that you I care? love, yeah, you know, whatever I feel in that moment, I started creating with that mood and it's kind of changed things. Before, maybe I was saying like, this is the period of, I don't know, let's say I've been hearing so many acoustic pop songs. So let me try to create one. I, I was more, you know, following also the trends. the trends. Now, yeah, I love, you know, um, I listen to everything and I try to, you know, understand what everyone's doing in this period and everything. But then I only take what I really love and try to apply it. So I think I've been feeling more free, especially in the past year. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting because like um, one thing I think a lot of musicians have is like the pressure from their fan base. Like if you mm-hmm. think about it, like, if you come out as a certain type of singer, right? Or a certain type yeah. of band, right? You come out and you're like, okay, I'm a power pop band. And, yeah. and you have this power pop and then suddenly you switch to like ska or you switch to like, oh, I'm gonna do like hip hop. And yeah. you're bringing all these people to do features. Like your core audience might be like, I don't like that. So so, so the problem is, the thing is as a musician is like, okay, are you old enough to lose some of your core to get a different audience because you feel like changing, you know, you get artists that didn't really care. Like a guy like Prince, I mean, Prince super big, but he really didn't care if mm-hmm. or fans only want to hear 1999 and purple rain. He would go off and do jazz. Yeah. He'd go off and do rock. He'd go off and do experimental things. And mm-hmm. whether people came with him or not, you know, and yeah. those people only want to hear purple rain. It's like, it's fine. They only want to hear purple rain, but, he would go off and do something else. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I had his have his whole catalog, and his catalog is so varied. You know that yeah. he, he just it was like for a popular musician. Musician, it was he had the boldness to say, "I really I'm going to go where I want to go." Yeah, um, exactly. And I've always been like, "Yeah, that's the way I want to do it." It's like, why wouldn't I want to do that? 
<laughs> yeah. Not that you could be like him. I mean, he, but the thing is, like, he did pay a price for it, you know, because, you know, Purple Rain's like $8 million. He went and did Around the World in a Day was like a million, two million. Could he mm -hmm. win? Totally different than Purple Rain. He could have done another Purple Rain. He didn't. He did like a psychedelic album. Yeah. And everybody's like, what's this? You know? And, and he just didn't care. He kind of just would bounce from like Bowie. Bowie would do something yeah, really exactly. cool, like, like a Ziggy Stardust. And then he'd do like a Thin White Duke. So he like, he did like Ziggy Stardust. And then he go and did this thing where he's singing with, um, uh, he, he's doing like like soul. He's he's singing with, uh, you know the the, the soul. He's doing like the young American, and yeah. it, has, it has nothing to do with Ziggy, right? And so he, he had alter egos, different yeah. styles. Yeah. Yeah, and he you know and he would get, I mean Ziggy was really big, and when he, he young Americans did okay, you know, he, but he had periods where he would do stuff like Brian Eno stuff, mm -hmm. did, like Fame and. And, and Berlin, all that stuff he did there. And some of that stuff was kind of, you know, the fans were like, I don't know, it's too experimental. But, yeah. you know, so, but it's like he didn't really care either. It's like, it's like, it's like if he felt like getting into craft work, Brian Eno, really experimental stuff, he'd go there, you know? Yeah, exactly. And Maybe he would gain some new fans as well with change by changing styles. Maybe people who were calling him more pop. And people that are against pop, let's say there are so many. Yeah, Maybe yeah. they started liking him more with the experimental stuff. Yeah, yeah I did. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, like I always like it when a when a when a band is willing to go and and like dump part of their audience to do something that is mm -hmm. going to take them off. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, I like that kind of punk attitude, uh -huh. <laughs> like the Ramones or something. <laughs> um, so so like. Who are your influences and reference points? Man, I can hear and I can name check some. I'm gonna, but I'm gonna ask you who who do you who were you inspired by, uh, and who are the some of the reference points like that people could pick up in your music? This is always a really difficult question because I listen to so many different artists and that are so five. different. You know, Maybe top five, top ten, top five. <laughs> Like, um, for example, I like bands, alternative bands like Coldplay, Travis, Keen, you know, British bands that, mm -hmm. but they use piano, some really sweet melodies and some little uh, electronic elements, let's say, and a really sweet voice. For example, that is something that I like usually. And then I also, um, let's say, for example, especially for my first album, I also like progressive rock. So I've been using some, even though it's a pop album, I've been using some transitions that are unexpected, intros, outros that are really long. Oh, and for that. example, yeah, there are, there are some elements from that part. Um, I also like, for example, Amy Winehouse a lot because, oh, awesome. she's awesome. yeah, she's her awesome. voice is amazing and the way she sings is really particular and really beautiful. So also changing how to change your voice sometimes according to songs and sometimes, you know, singing in a, in a really soft way, sometimes, you know, doing so many runs and things like that. So maybe some elements from her. And from jazz, I like playing, um, even though, you know, he's not all about piano, for example, Charles Mingus, because oh, yeah, he's really uh, <laughs> crazy. And yeah. maybe there are some passages that almost sound like classical music because it's really, um, you know, with classical harmonies and things like that. But then there comes a really unexpected part, super experimental, super improvised with so many uh, unexpected sounds, let's say, and notes. Mm -hmm. I also like those kinds of surprises. So yeah, yeah I, I can like, say. Yeah, you're, you're, like, you're very much like in this kind of expansive zone, um, in my opinion, yeah. like the idea, <laughs> Not to put you in my 
my my area, but I think <laughs> what I tried to do with expansive is just to say I don't want to get pinned down, right? So if you say yeah, expansive, yeah. it's like everything, right? And I've had exactly. have had some bands say, "Hey, can I use that too?" I said, "Well, I don't own it, you know. <laughs> it's an idea. It's an idea about like because like yeah. it like it, music like nobody really own. I mean, if you go back, like all the blues goes back to like Lead Belly, Robert Johnson, all the yeah. great guys like there were the White Stripes, you know, and Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. Kind of taking Robert Johnson, they're taking you know Lead Belly, they're taking all these great old blues guys and yeah. and, and reimagining it." So everything gets kind of reimagined, you know, take a little bit of Chopin or Beethoven, you take a little bit of this, take a little bit of that. Everything's kind of like how you, how you get the feel of it. Like if I, if I go listen to Keith Emerson and I'm on a Moog, people can say, well, that's an Emerson inspired run on a Moog because Keith Emerson is known for doing it a certain way. Right. Mm -hmm. So then Prince is known for doing his kind of Minneapolis style funk arrangements, which Mm -hmm. kind of was based on funkadelic. And James Brown arrangement, um, wow. but, but the thing, but the, br- the brilliance about Prince is he took funk, which used to go like 10, 15 minutes, yeah, and take that 10, 15 minute type of idea and drop it down to three minutes, and take the the key elements and then get the Minneapolis sound is basically like it's it's taking funk and then you know actually clipping it down uh-huh. and making it more accessible. Yeah. And in a more, more and, and so it seems like it's new, but it's not exactly new. And I think that's like the brilliance of like, like when you take, you know, you're taking existing forms and just making them yours. Exactly. It's like finding your real voice as an artist. Yeah. And I think, yeah. Yeah, I think just how you pick it up. It's like, I can't, like, I've been, people have told me, like, oh, you, you went and did a show and you pulled out like a Coltrane line. And I like, I didn't even know I did it. It was like in my head, <laughs> you know, because like, I think when you're a musician, things just like, if you're just playing, sometimes you might pull in like, you know, how much is that doggy in a window? And you might throw that into something, right? You know, you don't think like, you could just be playing and you want to just, you know, you're just playing around and you just throw something in. Uh-huh. It's, it's kind of at the, in the, your subconscious or something and you just do it. And you pay say, why'd you do that? Well, I don't, I don't know. I just, I was inspired. <laughs> you know? it's, I think it's like all of these reference points as a musician, you have this kind of muscle memory, you got this song memory, yeah. you, got, you got this history of all these structures, you know, about the Beatle chords, you know, about Elton John, how he did stuff, and Billy Joel, how he did stuff. Yeah. So you might be listening to, you know, Ben Folds, and you might be listening to Elton John, you might be listening to any of the great piano players, and you're like, oh, yeah, maybe I'm going to try something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and maybe I'll incorporate it because that's the kind of like you know I like where they were coming from. Um, and yeah. you just, I think music is like that. I mean, they, today people just are more exact. They'll go and actually grab the exact line and sample it. Yeah, there are so I, many samples, especially recently. Yeah, I think it's more interesting when you actually interpret it on an instrument. When you interpret something on an instrument, if I then then it never is going to match to the human behavior that like you're going to come at it the way you come at it. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, samples to me, what I like to do with samples, I like to run them through like Eurorax and rip them up. Yeah. I like to, I have tools on my Eurorack where I can like take something and like implode it and explode it and rip mm-hmm. it up and time warp it. And my core thing is I don't want to sound like Ice Ice Baby. Yeah. You know, I don't want to take a Queen Bowie song and make it Ice Ice Baby. I want to take that a sample and make it so you can't recognize where I got it. It's cool, yeah. <laughs> and then, then I don't get hit because I actually turned it into something new. Yeah. I think that that to me is like... In a subtle way, yeah. Yeah, it's the core, like how you... You can use samples in a very creative way. If you think about like Public Enemy and the Bomb Squad or Band mm-hmm. like Soul, their use of samples is like brilliant. You know, they they would layer them in such a way it's hard to figure out where the original one came from. You know, and, and that's the actual real experimental composition. Yeah. Like I can dig hip hop when they go like that. And then yeah. maybe they do like a live track over all these reference tracks. And then it becomes like, okay, you're not doing like Ice Ice Baby. You're, you're doing 
<laughs> not that it's like the, that's my big bad example <laughs> um, but um yeah i just think that uh, like, you can you can you can use modern technology in cool ways and so i'm not opposed to people doing that i just think they need to kind of have their a game when they do it for example i forgot to say i also love hip-hop a lot and i also love eminem so much and i think he's a really great example of also using samples because he takes maybe the sweetest melody of any song or even classical music, and then he puts a really strong beat, hip hop beat, really strong drums and everything. And he raps over it, but the, um, let's say the chorus of the song is also unexpected. Sometimes he, you know, invites other artists, maybe, a yeah, famous singer, yeah. maybe even not so famous. So he combines different things. I've always been inspired by his music as well. So yeah, yeah. I think some of the great hip hop people, what's cool about it, hip hop is kind of a very lyric, um, um, kind of like a poetic form. Because mm -hmm. like hip hop reminds me of like Dylan. You know, like if you if you look at some of the great hip hop artists. Like hip hop songs are so dense with lyrics compared to a pop song. It's it, mm -hmm. a pop song. It's kind of like William Blake. It's very very simple structure. Mm -hmm. If you get into rap songs, can be as complicated as Dylan or like Neil Young song. Or, or they're very verbose. They got a lot of layers, a lot to them. It's like 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 in a film or a short story. It's kind of like you're getting yeah. into literature. You're getting into like very deep poetry. And I think that that's really cool for music. And what I would like is I would like rock music and other forms to take the depth of the lyricism in hip hop and bring mm -hmm. that back into rock. Because there was a period in the 70s and the 60s, you listen to bands like you have Peter Gabriel, yeah. the lyrical content of Genesis mm -hmm. is like incredible. You know, they're the, the, the great babies from the Kinks. His his lyrical content in the Kinks albums are like unbelievable, like Pete Townsend on the Who, you know Pink Floyd, like you had wow. like serious writing, in in rock and in today, you don't have that level as much. You have some bands that maybe can reach that, um, but not as many. Uh, and, and it just seems like the hip hop is like taken over in that way, but it doesn't have to. I would I would hope that other forms can take some of those ideas <laughs> yeah also because people don't have the patience to listen to deep things for example in hip-hop but also in progressive rock there are also so many references hidden meanings so many things to discover and mm -hmm. they require a lot of time but right now people are just you know they want to listen to a song and without thinking about the meaning. Sometimes there is no meaning at all. Yeah, and then, kind of like yeah. Kind of like, if you think about like, there was a period where we had songs that rock like Wooly Bully. Mm. Like, like what does that mean? Right, he, 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 you know, I just want to hit the drum all day. You have some kind of like silly rock songs, right? That, uh -huh. that were very simplistic and people were like, oh, that's fun. And I understand that we're kind of in an age where maybe things are so serious. Yeah. That people want that like, much is that doggy in the window kind of thing you know they want something simple and it seems yeah. like we're in this age of you know if you check spotify playlist all the songs are like two minutes two two and a half minutes one minute 70 seconds exactly like yeah. very short and it reminds me of the 50s if mm -hmm. you think about in the 50s you had like bubble gum you had the, the you know but then again the 50s songs are a little tighter <laughs> um but but um in terms of they get tons of violins and all kinds of real cool stuff but mm -hmm. but but the lyrical content is kind of like you know a little bit controlled because of the, the kind of like the censorship of the day. People didn't go that far, and, mm -hmm. it, and it's today we might have like we have an opposite problem. We have people being a little vulgar, getting really into things, but it's kind of still kind of nonsensical. Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like, it's kind of not deep. It's not like 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 nobody's doing songs in the key of life. You know, nobody's doing like you know doing like a, a tapestry you know you know he's doing like like these really deep singer songwriter statements yeah yeah even like a, like neil young four dead in ohio 
you know, you know who, who's doing that? You know, who's coming out and doing something like a Dylan tangled up in blue? Or, or yeah, Andy. that's why the songs are, you know, they only last for a few months, let's say, not years anymore. So in a few, even weeks sometimes, people move on to the next hit and then nothing yeah, remains like, anymore, you know? Yeah. Kind of like junk food music. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you'd like it and you go looking for your french fries, you go looking for it because it's satisfying, right? But yeah. it's not like having that, you know, that, that the five star meal. Like mm -hmm. You get to go to the fancy restaurant, you have the real like dinner, right? You yeah, you don't remember like, it years yeah. after. Yeah. Yeah, you go back, you listen to Pink Floyd The Wall, you're always going to listen to that, right? You're always going to listen to Wish You Were Here. Mm -hmm. You know, you, 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 those songs, they go listen to Who's the Tommy? Tommy. Tommy's a rock opera. It's yeah. designed that you have to listen to it all the way through, you know? You, you, I mean, you can listen to Pinball Wizard by itself, but really, you should listen to the whole record. And that's yeah. kind of like where I like to. I do rock operas. I write rock operas, whether or not anybody listens to them. Is <laughs> but, but I, I, you know, I, I, I write them um, because that's kind of where my head's at. And you uh -huh. know, I do, I do records. Still, I do a lot of singles, but I do ideas. And people are into ghosts. They usually will check out my full statement which is my album mm -hmm. um and that's not way the way the world is so i'm kind of like but i like i don't care I, I, that's what i like to do um so when it comes to what your work do you like to present it as like an ep or an album or, or are you kind of like being brought into what you have to do singles so you're going to do singles or are you do you write more like for an album do you or you write singles because that's the way the world is now yeah, um, I've released two albums so far, but actually I would like to release more albums. I also have, especially recently, have been really inspired, so I have so many new songs. Mm -hmm. But I also love releasing singles because it depends, for example, if in that period I have more songs that are about the same I don't know, that give me the same kind of themes, emotions, then I get inspired for an album. But if it's a faster period, then singles represent that, I don't know, me even more. Because, for example, June might be like that, but already September is in a different mood. So they kind of represent also my life, how it's going or where I'm at. And also the songs that I write, since I'm also trying different kinds of styles and different kinds of, you know, combining different things, um, sometimes the songs also are different. They can't really fit into an album. It wouldn't make yeah, so much yeah, sense. Yeah. So in that case, singles are amazing. But if there is a general theme, of course, albums are, you know, the main thing, let's say. But in this period, especially, I I will be releasing singles. That's what I can say. And then I will think of a new album. Do you think the singles will become an EP or they'll just be on their own? Um, Some singles might become an EP, but it depends on where they're going, kind of. If, mm -hmm. as I was saying, if they have different some similar moods yeah yeah this is yeah, a period I, like that for me yeah i i do like i do release tons of, like tons of singles and then a lot of them are end up being what's gonna you know be part of a bigger project but mm -hmm. a lot of them are like you know i end up i end up doing things and my songs are not typical they're like you know six to eight minutes so there's mm -hmm. like three songs in one yeah <laughs> so, so when I do my singles, it's like they're kind of like a project in in themselves because I come from this kind of progressive rock idea. Uh -huh. And so like if I do, I will release a lot of them because some of them will be in different different type of form. Some of them will be more punk, yeah. some will be more new wave, mm -hmm. some might be more jazz. And so they don't they don't fit. But sometimes like, you know, I like Prince's idea. Like sometimes you can have an EP that might have like fusion. It might have acoustic, it might mm -hmm. have funk, but 
maybe lyrically they're theming they're themed together. Maybe musically yeah. they don't work together, but the, the idea in it might work. And so that's exactly. kind of a different way. Like you think about Sgt. Peppers. It's not really a, a rock opera, but it has all these different types of psychedelic songs. And maybe there's no central theme, but they seem to all work. You know, and yeah. so there's a way to build albums in that way. And I get really interested in that kind of structure. If you think about like, can you have like the theme of the content, not the music, and then you can then still do it as an album. And mm -hmm. then sometimes too radical, then I'll just each one's on its own. <laughs> yeah, it depends, as you were saying, also on the lyrics, also on the mood. It's maybe, yeah, the styles can be so different. Some songs might be acoustic, some might be, I don't know, pop, R&B, I'm talking for myself, but if many songs are super happy and really hopeful and then the rest are about something complete, yeah, dark, then yeah. no, yeah. I Maybe prefer singles, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah, like it's hard to like, you know, like if you, you have to really think out the, the overall concept of the album. And like you, it's like you have some albums that like oh you start in this place and you end up in another place, right? Exactly. So if you have something like that, then maybe you could have a transition, mm -hmm. those different feelings. But yeah. then you know, there, there are some people like yeah, like you like you trying to promote your thing. It's like, well, you know, like if you're in the like in in the dumps and kind of really depressed and you're doing all this stuff, and it's kind of like catharsis. Like I think a lot of songwriters, you you write to kind of get out of a mood. Or because you're in the mood, right? And so, mm -hmm. like, you're, you're, you're broke up, or you're feeling like down, or or something. You're you're upset mm -hmm. about the environment, or you whatever. And so you have this theme, and it's not okay. Well, that's kind of harsh, or that's kind of <laughs> like jarring, or that's like wow. Um, like yeah. there was a guy like I was really into, like who's could do, like Bob Mole. And when he got, he could he did, would admit that he was like manic depressive sometimes, and sometimes he would do albums that were so dark he was like wow that's so dark i don't know if like, i can listen to it all the time so he this album kind of like black sheets of rain about the environment and it's very depressing and it's like you can only listen to it like sometimes if you're kind of in the right frame of mind for it and then like like even his hardcore fans were like well you know that's a little too much bobby <laughs> uh, but it's like but it's like it's kind of like you don't know it's like okay the artist is going to do what they feel like right and if they feel that they want to dedicate that piece of work to that, then that's what they do. You know, it's kind of like yeah. I think that you should kind of get it out of your system. Like if you, because otherwise, like where is it going to go? I think a lot of us, at least I do, I I use music to kind of get out, like a catharsis, to kind of mm -hmm. move forward in my life, and I put it into my work. Yeah, for example, my first album was. Actually, my thesis project, my thesis project was about concept albums, so I made a whole research about it. And then the album was kind of like a concept album because all the songs were somehow connected, if not by lyrics, by some sound effects, elements, anything. Mm -hmm. And so it worked great. And also, you know, with these intros and outros, like I was saying before, it yeah. was kind of, yeah, yeah, like the um, old times, let's say, but yeah, in a more yeah. pop way. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. A, band, a band like Yes, you know, like I listened to an album like Close to the Edge, and it starts yeah. off with like a field recording mm -hmm. in the forest. They actually did a field recording in a forest and they get it. And they have, oh. all, you know, Yes is famous for these big, long intro, outros, changing changing um keys changing mm -hmm. rhythm you know yeah. basically sometimes having three or four songs strung together as one song mm -hmm. and, and kind of like a jazz band going into a theme and they'll have like this kind of chanting theme and then go out of it and come back into it and then yeah. have whole sections and like, like really cool vocal layering of the whole band vocalizing and then maybe just the lead singer vocalizing and then you know just doing a lot of different things that a lot of bands would just do as one song, but they do as like, like they have all these ideas, you know, 
in this one song, I mean, it's different songs, they would they just combine them. And mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, there's a place for that. Uh, it's not that many. I mean, I think a band like Radiohead, you know, a band like Magua, they still mm-hmm. kind of do this yes type of construction, um, yeah. which is which is cool. And I, that's probably why I go to bands like Wilco, Radiohead, Magua, because they still, they still write that way. <laughs> I get drawn to anybody that goes in that direction. Yeah. <laughs> so for live performance, yeah. Are you able to to go out and play your piano in in a, in, a, in a live setting? Are you able to actually play anywhere right now? Right now, I mean, it's been a long time because of the virus. I couldn't mm-hmm. do any concerts. That's what happened with my second album, which was called uh, Moon Tide. Like my plan was to, I released it. It was. 2019 it was in fall so i was planning on doing concerts for spring and summer everything canceled so yeah it's been in italy right now things are starting to open up also some smaller concerts but still not so ideal let's say so i've been missing live performances but yeah probably i've seen like the venue opens but it's like of half half capacity mm-hmm. and like it's hard as a live musician to make it on the margin anyway because mm-hmm. you have to pay so many upfront costs to like get there and set up and you know maybe yeah. have to sleep over somewhere and so if you've if you got it where they can't pack the club you can't get the yeah. optimum you know profit like not that we have to all make profit but it's like you got to break even <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's difficult like like i i go to new york like if i like i have to if i go to new york i really need like a 300 seat club to actually have like 305 to make money if i came in and it, it's, it's going to do like 150 mm-hmm. 150 people in there, i'm probably not going to make any money it's not going to justify me getting a, a van to drive down there and do yeah. it i i yeah. probably rather live stream and do that because I'm, I'm probably not going to make any money. <laughs> so, I mean, not that I don't go to New York sometimes for opportunities. I mean, I, I might go to New York and play so that the press might see me and write mm-hmm. me up. And so I was like, okay, if I go and a DJ sees me or a radio guy sees me, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take the hit just so uh-huh. that the ghost gets known, you know, but, but, you know, you, you have to do as you do as an artist. Sometimes I like, I'll go somewhere just because I want to play just because I like playing. Um, so, yeah. so I think like as musicians, people have to understand like we all, we typically do what we do because we love it. And a lot of times we don't get the money for it until like way oh in after after we do it, you know. Um, and so it, it, I always encourage folks to like support your the people you love. Go to their page and hit their hit their um, you know if they have crowdfunding, hit their crowdfunding, buy their merch, yeah. do you know buy the album. Don't just don't just stream it. Mm-hmm. Go to like Amazon and buy it, or yeah. iTunes and like download, buy it. Um, yeah, because it's like you know, I don't think people understand how much work goes into writing a song. No, exactly. Hours. They don't realize all the details. Sometimes even liking something is really important for us yeah, artists, yeah. you know. And people just don't. Yeah. They don't even know about all the details. Or maybe when we release a song or something, they think that everything is automatic. It's so easy, but there's so many details behind. And, you know, to arrive to sharing the actual song, we have to, you know, deal with a lot of details, which I enjoy a lot, but there are at least 50 steps to arrive to that day of the release. And yeah, I mean, yeah. Do a video, you're usually paying out of your pocket for the video. You're paying, you know, if you want to get it on vinyl or CD, you got to pay up front. There's so many upfront things you got to do. You got to license, you got to take care of your mastering. You got to take care of this, you know, if you go to a studio, you got to pay the recording engineers and the producers. There's all mm-hmm. this stuff you got to do. And, you know, I produce myself to avoid that. <laughs> yes. But, um, you too, most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do a lot of stuff where I do mastering tools I have to, I don't have to pay for somebody to do it. But, mm-hmm. you know, and I understand recording engineers, it's an art. And I would love to support that art. But in this kind yeah. of situation, I end up having to learn more about it 
mm-hmm. to do it myself because I like if I want to put out the stuff I want to put out, like I would not be able to put out my content if I had to pay a recording engineer for every time I did what I do. Um, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I, I, had, I, had make, I had to make a choice. But, you know, I think you know, plus I kind of believe in this idea. You know, if you listen to stuff like lo-fi stuff, like the Velvet Underground, mm-hmm. or you listen to like stuff from the, from the like you know the, the idea of alternative music, college radio, you know, bands like REM, you know, mm-hmm. band, you know, having that, you know, not having perfect sound is not always a problem. I I kind of liked like REM before they got on Warner Brothers and they have a small label called RES, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, IRS. There's a sound that where they didn't have as much money. And they weren't recording on as good equipment, but the albums sound really good. In some cases, I think some of the albums are better than their better recorded stuff. So it's sometimes like the higher the quality of the recording doesn't necessarily translate that that's a better song. No, no, no exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think some people today are such into the, like the DAW world that they're so into trying to get perfect sound. I think they, they have forgotten the part of the sound is the imperfection in the sound or mm-hmm. the happy accents in the sound can actually make it more beautiful than being per- totally perfect. Exactly. Before I was more like a perfectionist, let's say, but especially in the last years and also this year because of the virus, let's say, I've been recording things, but not only the instruments, but also the vocals at home. And mm-hmm. in my last releases, I noticed that they sounded really good and also sometimes even better because you know sometimes even the sound of you know taking a breath before starting to sing yeah. those small details when they're there they yeah. create more of a natural more emotional performance so yeah, yeah I exactly. totally agree I to point, out, point out to people if you go back and listen to like a Carpenter's record in the seventies, right? Or mm-hmm. Carol King, or you listen to like anything recorded in the seventies or the sixties, you you will hear tape hiss, you will hear, you know, cuts in the tape. Yeah. You'll hear like key changes, maybe they shouldn't be there. Um, but there's something about it. You might be hear somebody like Dylan's famous for sometimes like his jacket hitting his guitar. The buttons <laughs> on his jacket kind of hit his guitar while he's yeah. playing and you can hear it. And some people today would EQ that out. But to yeah, me, exactly. it's, you know, it's like, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. It's like, there's nothing wrong with some things like that. Cause that's like, I'm more honest. Right. And then it gives you like an ambiance to it that people don't realize like, you know, that is part of the character, like a painter. Mm-hmm. I'm into the idea of like sound painting mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes using a, like a mic, then not the best, like not some ten thousand dollar mic, but like if if you use a certain mic, and maybe it's not the best mic in the world, but there's a way you use it mm-hmm. is very unique, and it could actually in some way like looking at it from a very technical standpoint, like oh you know you shouldn't, like no, it's like that actually sounds good. You know, I've heard people use voice memos, and the voice memo actually sounds better than when they went on like a C four one four. Yeah, exactly. So, so, like, you know, I would use the voice memo better, you know, even though you wouldn't spend money to get a C414, it's like the voice memo sounds better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I totally agree. And that's what I've been trying to apply to my music in general. I sometimes also, people maybe use that as an excuse. They say, okay, your microphone is not the best. So come to the studio. Let's, recorded here things like that and i've been been recording things without any problems of course i enjoy going to the studio so much but it didn't stop me also this last year when everything was closed so yeah there's always a solution let's say if you want to yeah what i like about the studio is if i'm there with like a live band you know, mm-hmm. that's what I like about it. Like, if I go, if I do a studio, like, if you got the drummer, you got yeah. everybody there, it's kind of, you had an idea, and then you change the idea. Mm-hmm. If you have a really good producer, and they say, hey, do do this arrangement, you know, or do, then that's, okay, that's valuable. But but, yeah. but it's like, if it's, if it's just for the perfection of the studio, 
then I don't necessarily need that. But if, if it's uh -huh. because of the collaboration or because they're going to do something that I can't do, mm -hmm. like maybe they got a Moog Model 55 and I don't have it, or they yeah. got a Hammond B3 and I don't have it, you know, or they got some kind of like, um, you know, ability to like, uh, you know, a sound capability that I don't have. So mm -hmm. they have sound capability I don't have and I can't replicate. Okay, yeah. fine. I can see why I want to do that. But other than that, you know, I like to do it at home anyway. <laughs> yeah, maybe for the piano, for example, they have an amazing piano. So it would be totally worth going there. Yeah, yeah. Somebody's yeah. got this German awesome grand piano. Mm -hmm. Or like a really good Steinway or something. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. okay, I can see. Like for me, it's like I love Moog. So, I, so somebody's got like a memory Moog and it works because mm -hmm. that's a very rare Moog. And I'm like, if that, okay, fine. I, I, maybe I'll go for that or, or like a poly Moog, which was used like on cars, Gary Newman cars. The, mm -hmm. This big Moog called poly Moog, which is actually like a, it's like a divide down Hammond B3, but it's a Moog. It, it's a Moog synthesizer that's an organ and a synth at the same time. Uh -huh. So it can actually do chords that are like full polyphony. It actually plays like an organ. It's not like like you play a synthesizer, it says, oh, I can do 24 notes or 256 notes, but it can't really do full polyphony, which is like what what, what a natural organ does. Uh -huh. Polymode, because it's built like an organ that happens to have mode oscillators and filters on it, it's kind of this rare bird. It does. It doesn't sound like anything else. So if you ever get next to one or on one, it can do really interesting chords. It has this sound that you can't really replicate. And so, like, oh. if you ever get in front of one, it's like, okay, I, <laughs> I kind of like know what I want to do with it. But um, I'm kind of a synth head, so <laughs> I go. I kind of go there. But um, yeah. Uh, so I think it's been cool. To, to talk to you and i know that this, we're probably hitting over now so we'll kind of wind down but are you okay. are you planning on um doing anything outside of italy um like concerts or yeah yeah like going through europe or, I, mean, I don't know if that's gonna happen because the way things are but w was there ever mm -hmm. anything where you get invited to like a festival or do something like a, a tour um, outside, come to new york or do whatever do yeah i've had some invitations but i couldn't do it one year and the next year the virus hit so mm -hmm. but it's actually my dream also in the us or in the whole europe i've been um doing concerts in turkey and italy mm -hmm. but i would love to do you know in other countries as well i hope that after this period yeah, yeah. <laughs> to go to new york or boston like i'm in the northeast of the us so, like, the places I, you know, New York is the big one. Boston's, like, the other one. Um, most people would probably go to New York rather than Boston, but Boston's cool. <laughs> so, if there's a way to get to the U.S. and you can't get to New York, maybe you can do a Boston club and you're still interviewing in the U.S. But, um, uh -huh. yeah. And that's actually oh, that would be a dream. I visited New York, and I really love it. And, yeah, yeah that would be Yeah, I mean, I would love to, because, like, that's where I go. Because, like, where I live in New Hampshire, they mm -hmm. don't end the type of music I do. So the only type of way I can actually get an audience is I have to go to Boston or New York or LA. Uh -huh. um, and I don't want to go all the way to LA. But <laughs> <laughs> I have to. But, you know, do the Viper Room or something. But, um, yeah. I mean, not that I wouldn't do it. But <laughs> to do the Viper Room is, is a big deal. So it's kind of like CBGBs or doing uh, any of the big, big clubs in New York. Um, yeah, but I think that's the dream of every musician is to hit, like, you know, go to London and play, play, you know, Piccadilly Circus or something, play some big play, you know, and, and, and really kind of have a big, big, big happening. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's what I'm trying to do with this um, concert that you're you're checking out. We, we are doing, just before we leave, we are doing this PEG concert kind of bedroom producer series in July, 16th through 18th, and we're inviting guests who have been on the show we've invited you um and hopefully you'll be able to do it you're checking it out but yeah wow. what the idea is that anybody who's been on the show has been interviewed is actually gonna be on this live podcast or they're gonna 
actually have a videotape of their performance. Either way, we're going to be able to showcase 20, 30 minutes of each band over three days, and that's kind of cool. Gives people a place to play if you can't play anywhere. <laughs> no, I will happily be there. So, yeah, it's a great opportunity and great event, so I will be happy to. Yeah, we're hoping to do this, like, every year, maybe, because it's based on people being on the podcast. So every year we could do it, and then every year we have more people that we didn't have before. Um, mm -hmm. and so it's an idea is that we have this continuing idea of, of creating a collective. Because the whole idea of this podcast is, is, is that people don't realize, is like we've actually had guests who watch this show and then talk mm -hmm. to another artist and then go collaborate with that other artist. And, yeah, that's and, a great and, idea. An idea is like, okay, we're all musicians, we're all producers, like we're trying to showcase each other. And mm -hmm. we encourage like anybody who's been on on Peg, who's been on the Family Life to Go show, you know, I would, most artists I would agree would I, and I think they would agree that they wouldn't mind being approached by anybody who's been on the show to kind of, you know, ping them and say, hey, would you want to do something? Because mm -hmm. you know, we I talk to so many different types of artists that I think that's why I like to encourage like the cross collaboration because we have so many different genres that we talk. Yeah. To. So it's it, 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 we kind of create our own opportunity. In our own way to um kind of push ourselves if there's not places to play then we'll make a place to play <laughs> yeah that's a great idea well thank you for being on the show it's like we have your link up and we will give you the link to the to the um each one of these channels that's been playing this is going to have a permanent link we will send you that right after and this is actually going to be on our audio podcast partner we work with Spotify through Anchor FM. We are actually part of that. And this will be on 11 podcast platforms that are audio only, including Spotify, Apple, Radio Public, Overcast, Stitcher, many, many more. So we will wow. get, you, um, get you the first like uh, audio ones as they start to convert. They'll be converting over the next like two days. Um, but it will be everywhere that we're on and we're on like 11 platforms. So thank you. For being on the show we hope to have you on again and we're going to see you on the 16th through the 18th That's thanks for having me i really really enjoyed it thank you have a, have a good day thanks or you nighttime. Too. Nighttime. <laughs> evening let's <laughs> yeah goodbye bye thanks